O.C. Ubinura, former New York Giants defensive end and one of the stars in the NFL Super Bowl commercial for the International Pathway Program, joins us on today's show to talk Giants and the IPP. That's coming your way next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Traina, credentialed member of the New York Giants media for over 30 seasons. Wow. Locked On, of course, these days, and over on Giants Country, part of the Fan Nation Network. And I want to send a special welcome to my Blue Crew community members, my everydayers, my newcomers, and everybody in between. You're all appreciated and loved. And speaking of appreciated and loved, I am so, so happy to have this gentleman on the screen with me. He is O.C. Humanura, former New York Giants defensive end. And now he's turning into a commercial star, TV commercial star, having starred in the NFL's recent International Pathway Program, a beautiful commercial, really well done. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Giants to start, and then we're going to talk about OC's journey and then the International Pathway Program. OC, my friend, so happy to see you. Oh, man, Patty, so cool to see you. I'm really excited. We go back 21 years now. Wow. He's got the number, folks, 21 years. That's right. Yeah. Covered him when he was a rookie, and now look at him. He's a big star. <laughs> he's, he's a rising force in the international, you know, program for the NFL, and he's doing great things. But you know what? He's still a giant at heart. And, O.C., let's start there if we could because, you know, look, everybody always is interested in what former giant greats such as yourself have to say about the team, the state of the team, and whatnot. You look back at last season, and – to me, it was just kind of like a perfect storm of events that led to the season that they had. You know, the injuries, for example, some of the players didn't step up. You know, the expectations for what the offense was going to be, what the defense was going to be, didn't really pan out. When a team goes through that kind of adversity, coming back the following year, how, what kind of char- uh, challenges are they facing in the locker room to kind of press the restart button? Forget about it, but yet learn the lessons from from what happened and build on it. A lot of questions, like a, a lot of questions that need to be answered uh, within, within that locker room and within that coaching staff. You know, when I look at the Giants last year, to be honest, it, it's almost as if last year was supposed to be the first year and the first year was supposed to be last year. It's almost like it was backwards in, in a way because uh, what that coaching staff was able to do in the first year that they were there, like watching the games, I was saying to myself, okay, they are clearly out coaching everybody who they're playing against. That's the way they were winning games. And then last year, it's almost like everything got caught up and they didn't have the players and players got injured. Like you said, some players didn't step up and then it just reverted back to where the team was supposed to have been that first year. So there's going to be a lot of questions. There was a a lot of disappointment, but um, to be completely honest, from what I've seen from, you know, that coaching staff, you know, Dave Wall to be specific, uh, that first year, you you can't convince me that he isn't the right guy going forward, right? Like, he, he has the ability uh, to coach. He's a very good coach, a good guy, and I think he can turn this around. It's just a matter of, um, you know, the players stepping up 
the belief that, you know, this team isn't as bad as they played. Um, I think the fans need to rally around them because it's difficult. You know, when we, uh, I, I think back to our time there, and it was really interesting when I started to count because, you know, my first year there was 03. We weren't like 4-12, and 12, and then Coughlin came in in 2004, and then we went like 6-10. and 10. And then from 2005 till 2012, we didn't have a single losing season, like not one. Right. And throughout that time, there was like turmoil and we'd go, you know, maybe we'd win 10 games or we'd win, you know, nine games. And it's like the whole world was about to be <laughs> about to stop. They're about to fire Coughlin, fire everybody because, you know, we broke even or maybe we won 10 games. And now uh, if we were to win nine games, we, we'd be like, OK, the Giants, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it's so crazy to me to, to see how that has happened. Uh, but I believe this coaching staff is the right and, and they're going to get it right. You know, speaking of the coaching staff, I see a lot of people have made a big deal over Brian Dable's demeanor, how he could be very passionate, very fiery. As I remember, Coach Coughlin was kind of the same way, maybe a little different, you know, in terms of, you know, with the, how he treated the players initially and then how he changed. Do you think too much is being made of that? I think so. I think, you know, well, well Ultimately, you also have to recognize the times that we're living in, right? Like these times are completely different than before. People are a lot more sensitive. Um, you know, you can't talk to people the way you used to talk to them. You can't operate the way you used to operate. And you know, football has just evolved that way. Uh, to me, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything that he's doing that I wouldn't have been able to deal with. I played at Troy. Our coach was was tough, and then I went straight from that into New York, and Coughlin was tough also. I don't see any problem with the way he's behaving, but he also has to check the temperature and understand that these times are are different and he might have to adjust the way he treats and talks to people. Oh, see, you know, there's a big controversy or, or difference of opinion regarding Daniel Jones and if he's the guy moving forward. You know, again, the offensive line play wasn't that great last year. Let's let's be honest here. But when you look at Daniel Jones, the year that he had in 2022 and then the year that he had in 2023 before the injury set in, did he regress or was it just the circumstances around him? Well, that's that's a tough question because you can't say the way he played, especially towards the second half of 2022 and say, okay, this guy isn't a good quarterback and we're not going to pay him any money. It doesn't make any sense, right? If you're watching, you're like, okay, this guy can play, you know, he's good with his feet, you know, accurate passer can, 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 can do a lot of things. But then you look at what happened last year and, you know, once you get paid that amount of money as a quarterback or as a player, um, you can't, you can't blame things on everybody else. You, you understand what I mean? Like, you, you get to be, you're the guy and you have to find a way to deliver because that's the way you're getting paid, right? You see what all these other quarterbacks do. Uh, you see Patrick Mahomes a lot of times, uh, maybe his receivers are dropping the ball and people are giving him a pass. But out here, on like in, in, in my world, in the media world, I said, no, he's getting paid $50 million a year. He's getting paid that money to make everybody else right. So if you're getting paid at the higher echelon of the quarterbacks or, or you know, where he is, 40 million bucks a year, that's a lot of money. Um, he has to perform better than um, he performed last year, and he has to play the way he played in 2022. But ultimately, I believe he's fully capable of doing that, man. He's a fantastic guy, smart guy, has all the ability in the world, and he's a, he's a very hard worker. Everybody who I talk to about him says he works tirelessly. So there's no way he's not going to be able to turn that around 
if given the opportunity. Oh, see, this year the Giants have a new defensive coordinator. You know, the, Wink Martindale for two years, he was well-liked by the players. They liked his scheme. Can you just talk about, you know, for, from a player's perspective, when you go from one system to another, what are some of the challenges that you have to overcome besides obviously learning the lingo and, you know, that sort of thing? But what are the greatest challenges that you think that the Giants' defense is facing with the new defensive coordinator coming in? Very difficult. I think um, a lot of times it it also depends on the type of player that you are. There's some players that are universal, which means they're going to be able to thrive in in any system. Um, We we had, you know, for us, we started with uh, Lynn was his name. And then from there, we went to Tim Lewis. And then from Tim Lewis, we went to Steve Spagnuolo. Then from Steve Spagnuolo, we went to, um, I forget forget his name. He was the linebacker's coach. Perry Fuel? No, no, no. Perry Fuel came after him. Um, Yeah. Oh, Sheridan. Sheridan, exactly. Bill Sheridan. So we went through like five of them. And I think um, the players that we had were able to adapt into each and every system. But then, you know, what is the strength of this team, this, you know, this defense right here? And I think the defensive coordinators that we had were smart enough to know that, hey, the defensive line was the strength. And so they tailored their scheme basically around what we were able to do. So this team right here, you have Dexter Lawrence, who I think is a grown man, probably the best player at his position in football. You have Kayvon, who's coming along. You have, you have some good players, but is that the strength of this defense? And if, that's, if that is the strength of this defense, then the coordinator has to come in, recognize that, and build his defense around that. And if he doesn't do that, tries to make different pieces fit into what he does, there's going to be problems. Definitely. Now, Osi, you've come from a long line of homegrown Giants pass rushers. There was Strahan, there was Tuck, there was yourself, JPP. The Giants seemed to get away from the homegrown pass rushers after JPP. They started going the free agent route. Hasn't really worked out for them. Now they've tried to go back to to that with Aziz Ojulari, with Kayvon Thibodeau. Why do you think that, you know, the homegrown approach works a little bit better for a team than maybe just getting somebody in who's established, who maybe has played in different systems. Yeah. I think, I think the the mistake, if I could say so that the Giants made was the, the, the link was broken, right? There was like a chain and you had LT and then, you know, LT and all those guys and then Stray was there. And so Strahan learned from them. Right. And then, you know, towards the end, then I came in and then Tuck came in. And so we learned, like, literally, I learned how to play, how to pass rush from Strayhead. It wasn't coaches. It was from watching him. And so we learned that. And then as we started to get up there, then JPP comes in, right? And then he learns from us because he didn't know anything. about. He didn't know what was going on out there. So we had to learn from us. And then, you know, there was like a clean break almost. And, you know, the, the guys who came in weren't able to pick that baton up and so now there's like a gap and then you start trying to to bring it in now imagine if for instance i was there or a um uh you know justin tuck was there when Kayvon came in you know um or when you know aziz came in i think the transition would have been much smoother but there wasn't that but now they're starting to build back up and i think they do have some really good defensive linemen um hopefully these guys you know progress and then the next line comes in after them and continues the tradition Hey, Giant fans, do you like an adventure? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect for city drives and great escapes. Class-exclusive Google is built in and is always on call for almost anything you need. And gone are the days of having to connect your phone because Google Assist 
Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. The 2024 Rogue is the perfect midsize crossover for your next adventure. Nissan's incredible lineup also includes the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, which has room for up to eight, an expansive cargo capacity, and advanced available 4x4 capability. With 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 pounds towing, when adventure calls, the Pathfinder is there to answer. So go ahead and check out Nissan's range of sporty SUVs to help take your next big adventure to new heights. Shop NissanUSA.com. Again, that URL is NissanUSA.com. All right. Now, OC, I want to talk about your journey to the NFL because this is going to segue into the International Pathway Program. You were born in London. You spent um, a good part of your childhood growing up, I believe, in Nigeria it was. I think you emigrated to the United States when you were 14 years old. You really didn't have the opportunity, I don't think, to play peewee football. Um, you started, I think you had, what, two years of high school football, if I'm not mistaken. Can you just talk about what led to your conclusion that you were born to play football? What what triggered it for you? I think... Um... You know, first of all, coming to America at that time, football, football is just so massive, right? And um, I, I had the frame, I had the size, I had the athletic ability. But I think once you start the testing, right, they start you start to run the 40s and you start to, you know, jump and all this type of stuff. And you realize, I was like, wait a minute, I'm faster than... I'm faster than almost everybody, right? I'm big, I'm strong. So if these are the metrics that are necessary to play football, then I just have to learn the discipline of actually playing the game. And so once once that clicked in my mind, I was like, okay, um, this is something that I could do. And uh, ultimately, it's it's the one advantage, I think, that American football has over every other sport. You know, I think outside of the quarterback position, quarterback, you have to stop playing at like when you're like six, seven. You have to really, you have to really, but all the other positions are, are you know, they, they do require skill, but a lot of them is just just pure athleticism and, and, and strength and, and intelligence. And so if you can, if you, if you learn the game at like 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, you can actually be successful. And so that was kind of the reason why we created the IPP program was understanding that, you don't have to stop playing this game young. You can stop playing a little bit later if you have the athleticism. And this is actually going to open up the game of football for pretty much a lot of other athletes around the world. When you were growing up, OC, they didn't have, an, I don't think, the IPP program or anything similar to that. How did you, you know, growing up, you know, I, I imagine soccer was a big sport, if I'm not mistaken, you know, where you were growing up. Did you, like, translate some of those skills to to it or or how did you know was there a connection with the sports you did play growing up to football that just you know made you realize that hey I can make a go of this oh 100% like um I think being a multi-sport athlete when you're younger is 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 the best thing you can do because in terms of football it actually mirrors basketball um in terms of like your movement especially if you're on the defensive line the offensive line cornerback or receiver so you find like a lot of the you know, good players who who play those positions actually play basketball because the movements are very, very similar. So um, being a basketball player um, helped. When I was in Nigeria, especially, I, I had heard nothing about American football. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know it was a thing. So my first, you know, sight of American football was when I came to high school and I went to a high school game. 
and I, I couldn't I couldn't even process what I was watching <laughs> because it was, it was alien. You know, imagine seeing that for the first time. Like, what are these people doing? Um, but yeah, it's it's the other sports, basketball in particular. I think is a sport that most mirrors um, American football in terms of movement. The physicality isn't there. Uh, that's just something you have to learn. Now, for the IPP program, how how is that structured? In other words, do you take maybe training that is done at basketball, training that is done in, in soccer? Do you kind of merge that together? Or, or just explain to, to us, if you would, how those programs are, are organized and, and what their goals are. So essentially what we do is we go around the world pretty much everywhere, and then we find the best athletes. We test them. So say a guy's coming from rugby, he's coming from basketball, he's coming from whichever sport. Uh, we organize like a football workout, which is the 40-yard dash, the vertical jump, the broad jump, you know, some strength tests. And we see who has the best numbers and the best physical makeup. And then we take those guys and then we put them through an intense straight football workout, like for like 10 weeks down in Florida. And so that's essentially what it is. They do nothing but football from the time they wake up to the time they, you know, they go to sleep. It's, it's a fully immersive process. And then after that, um, they're allocated to uh, certain NFL teams. And, you know, away we go. We've had, you know, the guy, the left tackle for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, Jordan Maiata, he came from the program. Um, and he's now one of the best left tackles in football. So we've had quite a bit of success doing, doing it that way. Um, we just need more athletes, better athletes. And I think we're, we're well on our way to doing that. Oh, see, considering, you know, as it is, it's hard for young men to get into the NFL. There's like hundreds, if not thousands, college prospects who had to dream of it, but only a small amount get in. And I would imagine for international pathway program players, the odds are even tougher. So how have you been kind of like bridging the gap with working with NFL teams? In other words, do you go to these NFL teams, sit down with them and say, okay, you know, the game is evolving this way. There's more of an emphasis on say, for example, speed over power and mm-hmm. pass pressure. Do you, what, what collaboration process do you have? Yeah, we, we take in complete collaboration from the teams as to what it is they're looking for, what they need. You see most of the guys who we send are offensive and defensive linemen because that's been like a, uh, what's been lacking uh, in the game is quality offensive and defensive linemen. So we want to give them that time. And also the NFL has done this program, whereas the players who get there, you have 16 practice squad um, spots. So they've allocated an extra one for just international players. So this allows them to, after going through that process in, in Florida at the prep, to go onto an NFL roster and stay there for the entire year and just learn and practice, you know, without counting against the actual roster or practice squad roster for the team. So this gives them extra time to develop because, you know, you're not just going to go from not playing the game, no matter how athletic you are to, you know, going to the NFL and making a roster. It's just, that's not done, right? So you need that extra time. And um, thankfully, we've come to some agreement with the NFLPA uh, to give these uh, players that extra roster spot. Oh, so you were one of the lucky ones. But thinking back, if you had had the IPP at your disposal, how much easier would your path to the NFL have been? So much easier. So, I mean, it's 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 incredible, you know, you you think we okay? For instance, we have we did a, a program last year, NFL Africa. We ran that program, and we had six guys make it from Nigeria, and these guys had never played the game before, like never. And then you know, this year they get signed, they get signed, they get picked up on all these teams on six teams. 
Um, one of them end up, ends up on a Super Bowl winning team uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, right? And all of them got re-signed except for one. So the team has the ability to move on from these guys after one year. But they saw enough in these guys after that one year to re-sign all of them, right? So um, just knowing that this type of pathway is there and there are a lot of athletes with, with some real ability out there who just need this opportunity, for me it would have been incredible, but I'm just glad I, I was able to pass it on to other people. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest. Big or small, certain things can really start to get to you. So it's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased about your life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn for 10% off your first month. Oh, see, when you were shooting the commercial, which, by the way, was just, I, I think, one of the best commercials during the Super Bowl. I mean, the authenticity and, and the sincerity and, you know, are you real? You know, the little boy poking you saying, are you real? I mean, did you have flashbacks when, you know, to your youth watching, you know, the action on the field, talking to the, and even though I know it's scripted and everything like that, but did that bring back memories for you? Yeah, 100%. The story was I had given a speech about what they actually shot so the 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 shot was it was 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 from a speech that i had given essentially and i was talking about the dream i was talking about the the american dream and and how alive it is and it's living through the sport of american football because people are growing up you know and they're, they're dreaming about you know all around the world this was when the ipp was being created um they're dreaming about playing in the nfl and now this game has given them an opportunity to come to america and do it so they took it from the speech and they, 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 they built the commercial around that. So, you know, I've, I've, I heard from um, uh, Coach Coughlin after he saw it. He was like, man, you got some acting ability, OC. And I told him, I was like, listen, I wasn't acting. That's why I did. This is a real, this is a real story, you know. And so um, that's why it came across uh, that way is because it really was genuine. And it's, it's something that um, has been open to a lot of people. And so I'm, I'm really excited about it. So we have to cancel that acting award for you because that wasn't an act. <laughs> not an act. I <laughs> was real life. Oh, see, now I understand that that commercial was shot actually in Ghana. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. So, I mean, what was the the reception that you got from the community? You know, bringing this whole you know production down there, and and just you know, what did you, what was your takeaway from it? It, it was it was crazy because we shot that scene in the middle of the busiest markets in Ghana, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have these, and you know, they don't know anything about football, like in the market. So you have these real NFL stars, Jefferson, Saquon, Cam Jordan, walking around in full kits in the middle of, in the middle of African markets. And people were like, you know, you would think aliens had invaded, um, had invaded the market because it was just a shock. But outside in the wider community of Ghana, they really appreciate American football. They know it. Um, there's a there's a fan base, a growing fan base there. So outside, the reception was was incredible. They were so happy that 
you know, the NFL had, had in some form or fashion recognized them, right? And, and shot the biggest commercial of the year, you know, for the NFL in Ghana. So it was a really big deal, but the market, <laughs> the market was crazy. And that young boy, he w- he was actually a, a, a you know, a, a citizen of Ghana or just an actor that was hired? Yeah, he's, he's an actor, but he came from Nigeria. So he came over okay. from Nigeria, I guess, to mirror like my actual story. Uh, oh. Yeah, so he came from Nigeria, but he, he was an actor. Um, he's done a couple of things, but he, he was really good, really good. Oh, see, when you look at the growth that the IPP has had, how much bigger can it get? What are some of the goals and benchmarks that you hope to see this program take on in the next, I don't know, five, 10 years? Yeah, I think we need a, a permanent base. I think if we can get like a permanent base where, you know, we find all these athletes and they train their year round, right? I think that'll, that'll give a better product. I don't think 10 weeks, 10 to 12 weeks is enough um, to give the best, uh, you know, players to the NFL. So if we can get like that done, I think um, that's going to take the program to a, a, a much higher level. We already have the NFL Academy here in the UK, um, so that that's doing a good job, but that's at a lower level. But for the IPP, once we get that established, where we have a full time training facility with the best coaches, best nutrition, the best strength training, everything, I think what you're going to see is athletes coming in from everywhere. And by the time they get into the NFL, um, you know, practice squad rosters, they're they're really well developed because that's just going to be their job twenty four seven. For until they're ready to get out of there. So I think that's that's probably going to be the next step for us is finding a way to do that. And then once that happens, I think you're going to see an exponential growth of the quality of, of players that are coming out of the program. So almost like a farm system, like what they have in baseball. But, you know, of course, you know, we look at football, we say college is kind of unofficially the farm system. And then you have IPP, you have the NFL Academy, like you mentioned. So just kind of like maybe merging something down the line is what you're thinking of? Exactly. But it's going to be for international players because, yeah. you know, you know, like I say all the time, there's 300, 330 million people in America, but there's 8 billion around the world. So if you think about their level of athleticism or athletes that are around the world, right, um, once we start to recruit them and bring them in and start to actually train them, I think the level of athlete and the level of talent that comes into the NFL is going to be is going to be a lot better. And college is, college is crazy now. It's dying. Right. You got this NIL stuff going on. You got players making six, seven million dollars a year in college. Like so I, you go to the NFL, you take a pay cut that can't continue. Right. Some, some, something's going to have to give you. Um, we just don't know what. So this is almost like a buffer in some form or fashion from an international level against that. And then also, can you just talk about, you know, the NFL is expanding its market. They put games in Germany. They're going to play down in Brazil. They've got games in London. How has that helped the IPP or has the IPP helped in that regard? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's helped the IPP for sure, because most people think of, of football as, as a purely American sport. Right. But the NFL is now saying, hey, listen, we're going to come to you. We're going to give you our best product. It's not NFL Europe. It's not like a lower league. This is the best game possible. And we're going to sh- we're going to we're going to play this game in your country. Um, so you can see it live for yourself and we can you know, we can show our fans that we support them um, internationally. And so now that, well, that all that does is, you know, people from all these markets can now say, okay, the NFL has come out here, you know, let's at least see if we can, you know, make it to the NFL. Uh, we have this international player pathway program that we can partake in if we have the athleticism. So th- there's a lot, of, a lot of that, but I think the game is being played overseas 
lets the world know or puts the world on notice that this is a global game now. And then, OC, I do have some international viewers who tune into the podcast. So for anybody who might think that they are born to play football, but who are overseas and maybe don't have the resources that, you know, they would have here in the United States, if they wanted to take part in the IPP, how would they go about finding information or doing it? Or is it just you're selected for it? You are selected for it, but... And in reality, all you need to do is you have social media, you have, you know, Twitter, you have Instagram, all you got to do is, is, is film yourself or have somebody film you, you know, doing drills. Let's see your size, your height, your weight, your athletic ability, and then just tag us, tag me, tag NFL UK, NFL Africa, the NFL. We monitor these, these pages actively. Um, so we're going to see your video. If we like what we see, we're going to reach out to you. A couple of people have reached out, and, and some of them are in the NFL now, um, just just like that, right? So um, you have the ability to do it. Send us your stuff. We'll come find you. Defensive end, actor, and scout. What don't you do? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> You're you. amazing. You've always been one of my favorites. I've always appreciated the, re- the working relationship we've had. OC, I can't thank you enough for coming on, spending some time with me, talking about your, the Giants, talking about your career, your start, and of course, the IPP program. And folks, you can check out that commercial. It's on YouTube. I'm going to link to it. Just really, really well done. I swear, I think I had a tear in my eye just watching that scene with you and that young boy because I could feel the sincerity. And that's because I know you, you know, I know how sincere you are. So well done, my friend. Uh, Very proud of you. I'm so proud of just your journey and the the man you've become and all the great things you're doing. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on the podcast with me. Thank you so much, Pay. I really appreciate you. I'll see you soon. All right, my friend. All right, Giant fans. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Giants. We'll be back Monday, Combine time. So make sure you tune in for all our coverage of the NFL Combine. For OCU Manure, I'm Patricia Trena. We'll see you on Monday, Giant fans.